0: So, Jr. former President Donald Trump shook up Wisconsin's governor's race over the weekend and urged former Republican Wisconsin Congressman Sean Duffy to run against Democratic incumbent Tony Evers next November. Trump issued a statement on Saturday pleading with Duffy to, quote, run, Sean, run. Trump says he's been working hard to get Duffy to run and that Duffy would be virtually unbeatable. A source then told wispolitics.com that Duffy is considering a bid. What do you think are the chances that Duffy will throw his hat into the ring?
1: It's hard to say just yet, um, because I think the news is still settling in about Trump pushing him to run. His wife, Rachel Campos Duffy, is co-hosting a news on uh, Fox News show on the weekends. Family's moved out to New Jersey, though they keep a home still in Wisconsin. But he's not made the moves to run. He's not built a campaign, doesn't have an infrastructure in place. So if you were to run, you have to build that from scratch. Whereas Becky Clayfish has been in for a while. I mean, I know she only announced officially after Labor Day, but she's been basically running for governor since really after losing re election 2018. She's been laying a foundation for a while. There's a big gap between thinking about running for an office and actually doing it. And it's just a question of whether Duffy could, if he's interested enough to build an operation and get serious about it, I mean, Uh, Former President Trump's endorsement carries a lot of weight in Republican primaries, but it's just not, you can't just say, well, Trump supports me, I'm going to run. You've got to actually build a campaign, and there are no signs that Duffy's doing that just yet.
0: Well, now, if Duffy builds a campaign and has the endorsement of Trump, how would that impact the Clayfish effort?
1: If Trump is going to flirt with other candidates for a while, it kind of freezes this race a bit, and it puts Clayfish in a difficult position of, are donors going to return her phone calls or want to give her money if Trump's out there pushing for somebody else. That's really kind of the, the impact for her right now is just that kind of, will he or won't he? Because if Duffy says no, then where do Republicans go? I mean, if, if your Republican doesn't want Clayfish to be the nominee, where would you go next? You know, that's a big question. Is Trump looking for somebody else? Is it just Duffy that he wants? Or is there just isn't like Clayfish? That's that's what the big question about all this is, how does pre- former president feel about Becky Clayfish? And does he think that she be, I mean, he could live with, or is he really looking for somebody else because he doesn't think she can win?
0: Also, last week, the latest campaign finance reports show Republican U.S. Senator Ron Johnson raised nearly one million dollars in the third quarter of the year, even though he hasn't announced yet whether he'll seek a third term next November. At the same time, Democratic hopefuls Mandela Barnes, Sarah Godlewski, and Alex Lasry. Each raised just over one million. Although Godlewski and Lazary each poured a big chunk of their own money into the third quarter, so let's unpack these numbers. Johnson raised nearly a million for the quarter and appears to be keeping up with Barnes, Godlewski, and Lazary. Is this an indication that Johnson will ultimately run?
1: I don't read too much into it because his fundraising actually taled, tapered off from where he was in the second quarter. He raised $1.2 million. He's down about $906,000. He also is nowhere near the other targeted senators who are in these top 10 lists of seats most likely to flip in 2022. Uh, Warnock down in Georgia raised like more than $9 million. Kelly out in Arizona raised more than $8 million. If you look at those national lists of the most competitive and most targeted races in 2022 in the U.S. Senate, you know, the nearest incumbent in terms of Fundraising to Johnson raised more than $3 million. He's just not in that ballpark where you'd expect him to be if he was really gearing up for a campaign. Now, the caveat is Ron Johnson has personal wealth. He put in the race before. You'd think he could do it again to grease the skids. So it's hard to read much about his fundraising either way, but it really doesn't appear at this point like he is gearing up in a significant way for a run.
0: Well, meanwhile, how are Democrats Barnes, Godlewski, and Lazary looking at this point in the race?
1: Well, it's interesting. Barnes, this is his first fundraising period. So a big question going forward is going to be, can he keep it up? They raised a million dollars, but of that, 1.1 million, I'm sorry, of that about 400 grand came from anonymized donations. Those are contributions of 200 bucks or less. Those are a sign of a candidate's um, small dollar operation. You know, their email list, they send out these emails and repeatedly help these donors for 10, 20, $25 at a time. These donors give, though, if you have a good list, you can generate a lot of money off of those donors who give frequently. If you look at the other uh, candidates and their fundraising reports, they're not nearly where Barnes is for those small dollar contributions. That's an issue. Two, you know, Lazary and Galuski had to put a bunch of their own money in to kind of keep things going. Um, you know, Lazary talks about raising $3 million so far in the race, but he's put 800 grand of his own money in. You know, uh, Galuski did, part of it was a straight contribution of 315 grand from her. Own pocket of the campaign part was a loan of six hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, so they're having to dip in the personal resources, which they both have, and, you know, and plenty of it, to keep pace because it is a slog to raise money sometimes in contested primary. Um, and it this is doing nothing to dampen the perception that Mandela Barnes is the front runner for the Democratic nomination. But again, my earlier point: can he keep it up? Can he keep churning a million bucks every quarter, or even grow the operation? That would really solidify that perception that he is. Um, not just the front runner, but almost getting to the point where I would say inevitable, but that he's going to be very, very tough to beat for any of these guys, even right now. They have to go take the nomination away from him at this point because of what he's doing fundraising-wise, endorsement-wise. It can be done. They just have to up the game and catch him.
0: And finally, Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Call last week called for the investigation into the 2020 presidential election in Wisconsin to be shut down, saying it's a partisan effort that lacks credibility and wastes taxpayer money. Former conservative State Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman was hired by Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss to lead the probe. Do you think the concerns raised by the attorney general will have any impact on the investigation?
1: No, Robin Voss is quick to dismiss those concerns and accused Call taking a a partisan uh, position on this. Look, the bigger issue for Gablin so far is that he has found a way to alienate large swaths on either side of the aisle because he faced a very difficult task. There is, for example, a segment of the Republican base that is convinced that the election was, quote unquote, stolen from Donald Trump in 2020. And unless you can produce a report that is either gonna you know, result in charges against somebody or overturn the results, you know they're not gonna be happy. Well, Galen himself has said, this is not about relitigating uh, the results of the 2020 election. It's about looking at issues that came up. And he's talked about how he doesn't have prosecutorial powers with this investigation. So that's not gonna happen. Democrats, meanwhile, are suspicious of it from the start because they think it's perpetuating the quote-unquote big lie that all this is doing is wasting $676,000 in taxpayer money for uh, a review of an election that's been through, you know, a recount in Dana, Milwaukee counties, been through various lawsuits after the election was over, that this is just more, you know, wasted time and money. Then you have the Legislative Audit Bureau, which is doing its own look at the 2020 election at the behest of GOP leaders. That report will be out sometime. So what we're wondering is, what is Gabling going to show that won't be in the Audit Bureau report? What will Republicans be able to do with it, and will it satisfy anybody? You know, Robin Voss at one time said this whole investigation was about trying to present evidence to, you know, make the argument for changing election laws and convincing Tony Evers to sign these changes. Well, Evers already vetoed more than half a dozen bills Republicans have sent about changing election policies. That's not going to change. He is running on a platform that includes... I'm the last line of defense against these Republican author changes to election laws, in part to fire up the Democratic base, right? So I just, I guess the point is what's Gablin going to produce that's going to really move the needle for anybody in a significant way? People I talk to aren't sure he even can do that in a best case scenario because of how suspicious some of those Republican base are about anything short of what they want and how the Democratic base is about whatever Gablin's doing because they don't see it as a something on the up and up.
0: That's whizpolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.